What a wild February. Coziest Open, Winter Classic, Hopstroke, World Putting League, and to top it off, Cryptic Letters. We promise we won't be vague, so stay tuned for all the details on the podcast. I'm Tom, aka Mr. T. I am popping out from under a pile of snow. Feel grateful that the weather has stayed nice during our run of our indoor tournament last week as we are in blizzard conditions as we're recording right now. You can find all the mini golf designs, reviews, and more for myself and the pink putter at a couple of putts.com and on social media at couple putts. If you're looking for course and hole design work and you're opening your own course or maybe just a hole or two, contact us at minigolfdesigners.com or you can buy some merch from us at minigolfgoods.com. I'm drinking out of a Nice little mug from minigolfgoods.com right now. And I'm Pat, co founder of the Minigolf website and social media conglomerate, The Putting Penguin. And this may be the last time you hear from me as a member of the USPMGA, given what we're going to talk about this episode. So, if that ends up being the case, it was a good run, and I regret nothing. You can find all of our Penguin mini golf antics by looking for Putting Penguin on most of the major social networks. And while you're out there scrolling, don't forget to follow the podcast mini accounts as well. And since you're clearly in love with our podcast, or maybe you just hate listen to us, make sure you're liking, subscribing, and giving us a great review wherever you choose to listen to podcasts. This is the official podcast of the American Mini Golf Alliance, the AMA. We're helping grow the competitive game of mini golf and have a great schedule of tournaments across the U.S. where you can participate as well as a couple of virtual events. You can also have fun and earn some points in the AMA by participating. You can become a new member for free at amaminigolf.com. Member cards will be going out in early March. If you aren't sure if you're a member or if you're not sure you've renewed your membership for 2023, just drop the AMA line at amaminigolf at gmail.com. Membership remains free. Find all the details on becoming a member on our website. You'll hear about all of our events on the podcast. And we're going to jump right into our first IRL in real life AMA tournament of 2023. And surprise, surprise, we have on our last episode, Matt Rolstad from Chaska, Minnesota, lives not too far from Golf Zone. He was going to talk about the coziest open. We had him on. And what does he do? Goes and wins. Goes and wins. He goes and wins two rounds of 31. It's like a 15, 16, 16, 15. Had some amazing rounds. And he takes his first AMA tournament under his belt. You know, the conspiracy theorists are going to say that it was scripted just like the NFL is. So we got our best people on that. And you can find a video that we made with Matt as well as Brady Storhoff on a couple of putts where they walk through the whole course. You can see it all. It's a really fun course. It's super ace heavy and we were not wrong. There were three people that had nine aces in a round. We had Zach Hasilius, Caden Hasilius, and the winner Matt, Matt Rolstad get nine aces over two rounds. Um, and we even had some like wild highlights during qualifying that I am remiss not to mention. Uh, my own wife, Robin Schwartzman, the pink putter, is the very first person in the qualifying or the championship of the coziest mini golf open to get to get all four zero shots. She shot a 31 and she had tied Sean Brown for the best score. Fast forward the next weekend of qualifying before everything gets going. Joel Brown, who plays in our local league, Shows up, shoots a 28, 14 and 14, only made two of the zero shots. And then on the other side of his card, he had a 31. I had to ask him about it because he put down a one for hole 17, which is a zero shot. And he's like, oh, yeah, I guess that would have been a zero. So it means he had the two best combined qualifying scores by a mile. If he would have shot those in the championship, he'd have won the whole thing. Sadly... He almost missed the championship. His engine shot out on the way there. We put him in the last group. He made it just in time. And he had a couple bad holes that really cost it to him. But he's played that course really, really well. And speaking of people who did really well, both Josh Benish and Zach Hasilius shot a 29. 
but Zach just squeaked it out and got a 63, and Josh Benish got a 64, so they took second and third. Tied for fourth was Sean Brown, who won our Minius Mini Golf Open, has won a ton of local events here. It's also amazing at walkabout. And familiar name to the AMA, Mick Cullen, who tied for fourth. He came up from the Chicago area to get in a red tournament this year and fared pretty well. He had a couple of bad holes, but didn't we all? We uh, we had some extra little uh, trophies as well as uh, mugs that we gave out to people that said, played in the coziest mini golf open, and all I got was this mug. I actually have a mug as well because we're the ones that made them. That pretty much wraps up uh, my performance. Did not have my best play, but I will say this. Last year, I shot a combined 68 to win the whole thing. This year, I didn't shoot that much worse. I think I had a 71. So it was only three strokes worse, but I was like, I think eighth or ninth in the field. So people are just really dialing it in. I missed... Of the two easier zero shots, five and 14, I made it once. Missed five both times, and that's six putts right there. So it's a it's a lot of big swings. Honestly, Sean Brown he would have had a chance at winning the whole thing. He missed five both rounds, too, and that's kind of rare. Um, we had almost every hole aced during the tournament. The only holes we did not have aced were number three, seven, eight, and nine. And I had predicted seven and nine. I was kind of a little surprised by three and eight. I thought one person would have gotten it, but we had all we have all sorts of wild stats from the championship, and we'll share more of that in the recap on the AMA website in the event as well and other places. But first tournaments uh, under our belt, and it was a lot of fun. You mentioned the mugs, but you got to mention the trophy. Those are some of the more fun trophy. Oh, yeah. And I mentioned the fun mugs, but if you haven't seen a photo, my wife, Robin, made these amazing laser cut trophies of the bear holding a putter. I have one in my office that's not colored, and she colored in the one this year. That's what we kind of try to do with a couple putts with Robin having access to a laser cutter CNC. We like to make fun trophies. And so expect in May... For the 13th, for the looniest mini golf open, our first one, there's going to be something wild for a trophy. We've been talking about it and we'll see what happens. And as far as the coziest mini golf opens, we're hoping to do it again. The place that we're doing at a golf zone is a really, really just slammed driving range. It was really hard to get people in and out for the qualifying and have a rhyme or reason to it. Based on that, and that we didn't really get anybody outside of the regulars in the mini golf circles, I think next year, if we're doing this coziest mini golf open again, which we're hoping to do, we're going to shift it up. The idea that we have right now would be single round, aces only round, and then another single round. So it'd be a two round championship and then an extra opportunity for prizes and fun in the middle with an aces only championship. And kudos goes out to Gary Schiff for showing what that looks like at Odita last year, and it was super fun. So I think we're going to borrow that idea. And as we're recording this, the O Street Winter Classic is just a couple days out on the 25th of February. You can find the details at amaminigolf.com for that tournament in New Jersey. We'll see who comes out of it. We expect it'll be a lot of O Street regulars, but it's on a course that I don't think they've done many events at it. So we'll see, and we'll follow up with you on the podcast on what happened yeah i think that's i don't think they've done any o street actual tournament events at that course they might have played some league stuff i haven't seen it pop up i mean certainly i know the thousand dollar tournament hasn't been there but i don't think the winter classic has either to pull up the name again because it's like the jersey Jersey devils Devils. (laughs) golf and fun center in winslow turnpike new jersey it is a mouthful folks but uh yeah, there's a video up on uh, O Street's YouTube channel if you want to get a little flavor. I think that's a big thing that we're trying to do with the AMA with all of our tournaments is if you want to travel to them, we're encouraging people that are organizing to get some photos and videos up in advance to help people out who don't have all of that knowledge of the course by playing it in person. 
And we had another really big tournament this last week. We had our second pop stroke event of the year down in Fort Myers that we had talked about on Monday, the 20th of February. It ended up being a $15,000 event because they only had 30 of the 60 spots filled. The winner was Chris Johnson, who you might remember from the doubles championship that was aired on the Golf Channel. And he wins by two over Gary Hester and Brian Johnson, who was really holding close with them in the end. But ultimately, Chris Johnson pulled away. The people that were on the list of the 30, a lot of really familiar names. People that have been on the podcast like Frank Bassesi, Jeremy Anabinet. Tim Talley, Randy Statham, Randy Reeves. You go through the whole list and it's kind of familiar names, whether it's the U.S. Open, the Masters, the putt-putt circuit. There were people, frankly, near the bottom of the list of 30 that are really good putters. So I don't know what they do that with that. They're really pivoting and shifting things around that I'll talk about in a little bit. But the nice thing was, as the event was happening in real time, I know Pat and I were like messaging back and forth because we could see the results on Golf Genius. You take that in comparison to any of the Masters events where unless you had somebody that was sending you photos and watching in real time, you're not going to get results. And that's kind of what people want to see. But Popstroke is really pivoting and it's kind of hard to keep up with it. So initially they were going to do a whole bunch of events, I think about six of them in total, in the first half of the year. If I'm correct, they had dates for both Port St. Lucie and Tampa that are not on their website anymore. I think the Sarasota one was supposed to be earlier, but they have a Sarasota event on May 7th and 8th. It'll be two days with a stroke play event and a high roller event. 60 for the stroke play and 24 for the high roller with a $2,500 buy-in is the format they're going with right now. But this has shifted a few times. Even the buy-in for $300 for the stroke play has gone up. They moved their date for Houston out, which is a little troubling. It's July 16th and 17th. And I don't know if people understand, but Texas, in the middle of July, (laughs) it just does not sound good. I mean, we have this, and this is like not meant to be any slight, but we have some like older putters out there. That's some dangerous conditions to play some serious mini golf, but it's four rounds over two days. So maybe they've got it figured out and they're trying to use the courses when they're not as busy. They're going to have a September event in Glendale, Arizona, as well as the Scottsdale Tour Championship in late October. They're going to have a bunch of events, but honestly, I don't think I'm going to consider going to any of these events this year in part because I think the the format and the cost not getting a lot of rounds, but more than anything else, it just seems to be a moving target and they're trying to figure it out. That being said, I, I don't blame them for sh- shifting it. They've had kind of a whirlwind of activity where they had a huge event with hundreds of people competing. Then it went down to 60 when they played in Orlando. Then they did Fort Myers this last week and they're down to 30. You have to pivot. And the fact of the matter is I've been to a couple of these pop strokes they print money. And to just keep doing these events and forcing it through, closing off traffic from these courses as much as the pros love playing in these tournaments and think it should be the top priority for them, it can't be. These places are businesses. They need to stay open and do what they were made to do. And it's up to the pro circuit to kind of show the value and get more people out. And that's just going to take time. And hopefully... With their local leagues and everything else, they build up to what they're trying to do right now. But right now, it just seems like they're depending on a lot of people flying overseas and the top players. I'm not one of them, so I just don't think I'm going to do it. What about you, Pat? No, I mean, your your point about the schedule stuff. I mean, other than, you know, going to a place that's generally warm in the winter. I mean, you read off all the names, I play against all these people all the time. I mean, going to another tournament that's, again, we talked about, I mean, they're nice courses, but like, I don't know, not my favorite style of course to go play a tournament if I'm going to travel for and the cost and right. No practice really. 
you know, having to deal with the general public in that type of setting. I mean, it, it, it is a bit of a turnoff when you're used to some of the other things. And again, I don't, I'm, I'm with you. I don't blame them for doing what they have to do. I think from their side though, they do have to look at it and say, well, if I've got all these people who do come play here and I've got these local leagues, what am I doing wrong? Not getting them involved in these tournaments to round them out and to provide more competition against the pros. Cause you would think, you know, there would be some level of local people who really know those courses that could be ringers a bit. And it just yeah. doesn't seem like they're getting much of that at all. And, you know, maybe there's a couple names in there, but most of the folks we know who they are. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, again, it's, it's nice that they're recognizing it and trying to change it, but I don't know hitting that moving target is going to be tough. And then right with the schedules, and I don't, yeah, I don't want to go to Houston in July. I can tell you that. But that's also when our, a lot of our stuff starts picking up our leagues and everything. So there's yeah. less of a, well, I need to get out of, well, we don't have two feet of snow, but we have cold <laughs> right now we to go down. Right. That, I think that was the, you know, probably the biggest thing for a lot of people is like, oh, I could go play a tournament in January in Florida and, you know, see people I haven't seen in a few months. But that loses its luster the further you yes. get into the year. And I'd, I'd be really interested to see, especially like all these pop-up players when their leagues start up, when their regional and national championships and start hitting, like, are they going to be as inclined to go to some of these, even some of the ones that are in their backyard. So. Yeah. And when you have the purses that are also adjusting to how many people are playing and that you can see who's registered, you have this weird element that people are looking at who's playing you can look at the history of who did well. If you're local, why are you paying $300 when you know there's people that their worst round is better than your best round? It's just – it's diminishing results and I don't know if it's an amateur or a novice division that they need to add. But sadly, I think a lot of people would just like frown upon that and say, well, I don't want to play as an amateur. But I also don't want to lose $300. I mean for you, you drive to Myrtle Beach. It's doable. None of these are doable for you to drive. Sarasota, Florida? How far is that? Yeah. No, I'd have to fly. And you're right. Like, th- there's not a, there's not a, a incentive to get people in at the lower levels to try to mm-hmm. build that up. It's really all or nothing. And, yeah, I don't know if people would want to sign up for amateur or novice or you can make divisions or even just yeah. find ways to, to – pay out different stuff at the end. I mean, we'll talk about it later on in the year as we get to some of our tournaments or we've talked about it before, like different ways that we've done to encourage people who, again, know the people who are going to play, know who the top four or five mm-hmm. likely people are going to be. But we have found ways to encourage people to play in the pro division and who have now played for two, three years and are starting to inch their way up the scoreboard. And granted, it, the, the layout of money isn't as much, so it's a little bit easier to... Uh, do that on the wallet but i mean still it's just yeah i mean and it's interesting too like you didn't have the swedes come over and play they pivoted pretty quickly there too so it's something that we're going to monitor the whole time and um it'll just be really interesting to see how the the rest of the year goes yeah and, and to what you said when i talked about those mugs for the coziest open we gave one for last place we had them made they were fun and they fit they played at the coziest mini golf open and all they got that was that mug, but it was to acknowledge that they showed up. And if we don't acknowledge people from top to bottom, why do they come back? They don't feel like they're holding their own in competition. And then it just feels like they're a bystander. But if there's something fun in it, it doesn't have to be significant and mixed tournament that he runs the MC mini masters is like the epitome of that, where it's recognizing so many different, you know, improvements, successes that I don't know. That he's he's getting fifty people to turn out for a mini golf tournament, and Pop Stroke is charging a lot of money, and they're getting thirty. Yeah, something's not right there. But even when you think about like I'll give the Masters some due here is you know you're paying whatever one hundred eighty bucks, two hundred dollars there at the end of the day, but you do get pretty much unlimited mini golf for the week, right? Like. And so because the courses are closed, you get the the practice, you get all that sort of stuff. So if you're somebody who's like, 
I mean, that can get grinding after a while, but you don't get a lot of chances just to be like, well, I'm going to go hang out on the mini golf course all day and just like, or you can play play. as amateur for 60 bucks. Well, yeah, you could do that too. But like there's even an incentive on the pro side of like, well, I can just go work on my game all week and the money is going to be there. And and again, not having the course blocked off for pop stroke and all that sort of stuff. You don't even get that sort of benefit as well. So it'll be interesting to see what they do in the future. Yeah, they they have that. But let's be honest, Myrtle Beach is very quiet in October. And that's why they do the tournament then. And those courses are not occupied by the public much outside of practice. If you go by there, you're going to find a pretty empty course, which it's great for players. But I don't know if that's great for courses. But that's something that the sport's going to have to address anyways no matter what the end game is and i mean putt-putt's had to think about this too is how do you find the right balance right because unlike like basketball right where you can have an open basketball court sitting anywhere that you can go play a game on you all of mini golf is a business at this point and so in some way somebody's going to have to find the right way to balance what we've got to make money and a lot of this comes down to sponsorships and things like that right like that's how you make up the gap because it's just not but no one's really found a way to do that yet other than doing stuff in the off season, which I don't know, is that the best way either? Because then you're pretty limited in terms of what your calendar can be like. So, yeah, I do wonder if like a city golf or pop stroke type course in the public sphere in public parks in a nine hole format and maybe a smaller level would also be what the game needs. In Minnesota, we have a fully accessible course at King Park in the southern burbs, and you can just play that whenever you want for free. And I don't know, there's there's a couple other examples, like the course that my wife Robin designed, Sparkle City Mini Putt in Spartanburg. And there's one, I believe it's in Greenville, McPherson Park, that's also free. I think some of that needs to happen more, where there's just more opportunities for people to play and think about it as a competitive game because talking about basketball or even pickleball, which is growing, you can retrofit a tennis court to play pickleball or there's just courts being sort of redrawn the lines for pickleball that don't cost anything for people to play. Same with basketball, same with baseball fields. All of these other sports have that huge built-in advantage that there's a whole farm system, whereas mini golf has really been about paid courses and people not really be able to do it on their own. So something to think about, you know, I don't know if that'll change anytime soon, but it might be one of those things where you talk to your parks and rec boards and see if you can't get them to be creative with how they're adding to parks. Yeah. We're seeing some of that. I mean, there's some of it that's still paid, but I think it's more and more they're finding it is a good use of space you got maintenance and everything but yeah yeah no, i'm sure we'll sure. revisit the topic but we should probably move on and actually go across the the big pond because we're going to the land down under now we don't talk a ton about uh international tournaments here outside of the some of the big ones but wanted to cover the oceana mini golf open because there's some very familiar friend of the pod names who did well this time around, it was the the weekend of February 11th, and it, this was another one. Uh, they didn't have live scoring, but the scores were posted pretty quickly, and it mm-hmm. was a two days. So um, I think it was Steven Samuelson who came in second. Looked like yeah. he had it pretty locked up after the first day, but the putting wonder from down under, Josh Mars, comes back. He wins by one, and he does it by tying the course record in the final round. So. Jeez. Kudos to him. Steven comes in second and other friend of the pod, Alan Cox, doing a great job rounding out the podium, coming in third. I know he's been off and on with some of his putting the past couple of years with with health and everything. So great to see that he's still got it. Um, In the overall divisions, we also had Casey Chandler, who won the women's division, Jake Holt, who won the youth division. So great to see some divisional stuff there, especially bringing in the youth into the game. And there was a match play championship that happened on the second day as well that all of the names that finished in the top three are friends of the pod, a couple of which we played with, one which I'm sure Tom will get a chance to play with hopefully this year. Uh, but Nathan Lamplew won the championship. Alan came in second, and Josh Mars got bronze in that one. So kudos to guy, to you guys. I know a bunch of you listened to the podcast, and we wanted to, to give you a shout-out because we knew that was a pretty good tournament out there this month. 
Yeah, hoping to play with Josh at the World Crazies. I think he's headed over there in June to Hastings. Yeah. And so the last thing that Tom alluded to in the opening that's going to round out the month of February will be happening probably either shortly after we put this up or very shortly after we put this up, depending on what the editing is. But it is the World Putting League tournament that is happening in Myrtle Beach on the Hawaiian Rumble course, as far as we know. It's being put on by a combination of the USPMGA and the Pro League Network. Um, We had talked about this when they first announced it. I think it was back in December. There's been some scheduling changes and stuff right now. What we know is that it's going to be a two-day event. I think there's 22 or 24 participants in the first day playing two rounds. They will take the top eight of those and play head-to-head matchups, which I don't think is going to be match play. It's going to be stroke play, so whatever the lower score is versus kind of traditional match play. At least that's my understanding. Um, So essentially, if to win the tournament, you've got to play five really good rounds, and hopefully the last three are better than the people that you're playing head-to-head up against. Um, Everything... So we've been following the World Polling League on social media we've been looking at their website they've been posting that it's going to be streamed we don't it's wednesday right now and we don't have any information about where that's going to be streamed when it's going to be streamed who's going to be playing but we know it's supposed to be february 27th and 28th so again if you're listening to this beforehand go check it out hopefully there's some more information they've been posting every other post or so has been talking about the various gambling that they're going to have They've been saying it's going to be on DraftKings. Again, it's Wednesday, and I have been keeping a very close eye on what pops up. Um, I did find it interesting in doing some research, though, that South Carolina doesn't have legalized sports betting. So if you were actually at the tournament, you wouldn't be able to bet on the tournament, um, which is, I guess, not unique in that that happens a lot just because of the way sports betting is state by state around here. Uh, But... um, Still nothing, and I'm anxiously watching. Again, by the time you read this, there may have been something posted about it. We're going to follow it from the podcast side and and certainly post about it. Heck, if it goes up, I may jump on and do a live talk about it. Maybe Tom and I will do something just to see, because I am very curious as a, not a big-time sports gambler, but a casual sports gambler, what some of the odds and things are going to be for the players who are out there. It's just, it's... It's unique, but we just don't have a lot of information. And I mean, to give you a sense of how little information we have, the World Putting League Facebook page, which if you follow the mini golf community, most of them are more on Facebook than they are on Instagram or TikTok. The last post was on February 7th, and it's talking about fun facts around glow golf courses, which I didn't really know about. And then it's showing some of the featured players that includes Brian Akers from Atlanta, who I had messaged with that I know is not playing. So who knows? And then there's a scary looking picture of a laptop that's sitting on its side. Like it's going to fall off this table. I, I don't know what they're doing. Their Instagram has a little bit more, but it seems to be a lot of material recycled from the yes. masters that I just don't know what's going on. There's four likes and five followers on Facebook and maybe it's something that they're going to build out and they're planning on having betting more down the road, but it's going to be really interesting to see it. I think both of us are the most intrigued about the streaming part. It would be, we love to see a head to head final matchup. I know I will be tuning in and probably pushing off whatever work I'm doing during the day and just doing it later that night just to see what's happening. But well, that's why I want to know the schedule. I want to know what to block off during my day. And I'd be interested to see how they do it because the Rumble we've talked about is not, and we've, we've streamed before. It's yeah. not the easiest no. place to do streaming. And it would be no. interesting to see if they're doing stuff with fixed cameras and multiple things yep. because, like, I mean, you think about hole 13 through the cave, hole 18 nine. up in the back of the hill. Yeah, nine. You I mean, can't at, least, really... at least nine you can get there and set something up. Like if you you're 
can, but you're kind of in the way of the players if well, you're yeah, really you're up there on them. Yeah, and you're going to be right in their sight line. So they're just, there's just not great ways to film some of those, which, I mean, maybe you don't need all the time. I mean, I think about watching golf tournaments, and certainly when you get to the finals, you know, you watch mm-hmm. all the holes and stuff. But, like, those opening days, stuff gets cut around and bounced around. So I don't know. I think, right, we're really intrigued to see how some of this comes out. And, it, you know, I know we're, it probably comes off a little bit negative the way we're talking about it. But honestly, like, I would love to see miniature golf in the, the gambling both. sphere because it's just a step in the right direction and um i'm just curious to see like how they set some things where they're getting their information from like all the kind of technical back end stuff makes me really curious um so we will see i am absolutely sure we will do a podcast talking about it afterwards yes. um but I don't know. There's there's not much more we can say about it because that's about all the information we know about it right now. Yeah, stay tuned. So now we transition into the vagary that I had alluded to in the intro to the show. And I'm just going to turn it over to Pat to read this letter that had followed his dues for his USPMGA membership that he had sent in. Yeah, so maybe a little background. I think we alluded it to a bit on our podcast, a bit on the 54 Problems podcast. Of We had heard some rumors about potential suspensions, bans, whatever, from the USPMGA for various different things. Um, All things said in public on this podcast that right. if you've listened to, you're like, that gets you in trouble? Yeah, and we talked about the post that they had on you know their website talking about you know negative comments, et cetera, et cetera. So, you know, not thinking too much of it, I sent in my dues in January, like a good USPMGA member, to supposedly get my most amount of points. And uh, at the end of January, beginning of February, I got a certified letter from them, which. Honestly, if you know anything about the USPMGA, to spend five bucks on a letter is quite the feat for them. Um, So I was thinking it was probably more than my uh, membership card. And lo and behold, yes, I opened it up and it was a letter. Now, Tom, to be fair, we're going to talk a little bit about your reaction, but you have seen the letter because I immediately sent it to you. But I do want to do a reading for it. And if you're listening to this, you will have definitely seen a copy of this letter either on our social medias or on my own at this point. It's going to get around fast, but... Uh, yeah, and we were supposed to have Shatner read this, but I, I think we'll, I think Pat will do it justice. Yeah, so it's on uh, U.S. Pro Mini Golf letterhead, uh, and it's got the Hawaiian Rumble, dated January 29th, 2023. Pat, with a lot of thought and consideration, period, I have decided to let you stay with the U.S. PMGA. From this day forwards, I do not want to hear you bad-mouthing the U.S. PMGA this is, a, this is a warning. Next time you will be banned. Thank you. Unsigned. So, Tom, having seen the letter and having heard it again, your initial thoughts? It's just silly. It is just ridiculous that it doesn't address any of the things that you had for concerns about the masters this year you wrote them an email after the masters that you had shared with me with no response they were constructive feedback on really basic things including scores that weren't happening rulings that happened out on the courses that were wrong and we talked about those on the podcast yes i have shared things that i don't love about being out on the course. I don't love the music they're playing. I don't love a lot of music. I'm opinionated. And I'm sure Bob doesn't like what I like for music. That's fine. I have no problem with that. I just, it to me, it's shocking that they are like debating on whether to have you as a member versus feeling honored to have anybody be a member of the USPMGA. And I know this sounds like really harsh, but I don't know what I'm paying for as a member. I didn't get anything other than a laminated card, which I picked up, and the ability to enter into the Masters and pay a separate amount of money for that. If I paid money for USPMGA membership and I didn't play in the US Open 
or the masters, why does it matter? Like there is no other recognition or need for that membership. It's, this isn't meant to be like a combative thing where the AMA has a free membership and they charge, but part of it for us is we want to encourage people to play, but ultimately we want people to compete in the tournaments and get the value from that versus just charge a blank slate of money to be a member. Like, what am I getting from it? I don't even get results from tournaments. They have very little information on social media. As of right now, I don't know that they've ever actually shared out on Facebook where most of their members are using. If you get online and you see results from tournaments, their official accounts related to the courses and everything else haven't even shared out the results of the Masters. Like, how is that possible? That was in October? I mean, I, I already shared the results of our tournament that just happened four days ago. We had them. Why not share them? To me, it's what am I what am I getting for my money? And my like what it did for me was I don't need to go to Myrtle Beach this year. I already was feeling that when I got back, but I definitely don't. And frankly, when the US Open is going to be happening, instead of spending money to go to Myrtle Beach again, I'm going to go overseas where I feel like there's more camaraderie with the players and the tournaments are better organized and have just a different experience. I don't know what I'm getting for that money. And I don't know that, you know, I want to, I, I love mini golf. I love playing a variety of courses. I've played those courses a ton. I don't know that I need to go back right away this year, or I don't know if I play over at a city golf tournament in Sweden and world crazies this spring, or summer, I guess. Am I going to want to go back to Myrtle Beach? I know that I have a hard time believing that Sweden and the UK are going to be a letdown compared to Myrtle Beach as a city. Sorry. No, it's true. All right. I'm going to do two pieces here because I have a very professional opinion on this first. And that is, I've got two significant problems with it. First of all, sign the letter. I mean, I'm pretty sure it's from Bob, but if you're going to send something like that to a member, you sign the letter, you sign it, you put your title, you put your contact information, you own up to, this is the decision that you've made. And then also, I, if I wanted to try to follow the guidance that has been given in this letter. I don't know that I can. I don't know what I said that violates whatever the terms are. I actually don't know what the rule or the term is that's being violated because it's not referenced in the letter. So I literally do not have an ability to not quote unquote badmouth the USPMGA because you've not given me the information to make a change. Like, so from the professional side of me, like that is just two things in that letter that as a member, I'm going to be turned off anyways, because it's, it's impossible to live up to. It's impossible as a member of the organization to change my behavior if I do not know what, I mean, it's like, honestly, it's like trying to, you know, train a toddler, right? Like you have to tell them what they did wrong and explain to them how that they can change it to not do it wrong again. And I'm not given that information. But now, that also, but that also lines up with the issue that we had when we were recapping the masters on the ruling on pineapple that was not clear. And there is no place to point to online with that. I think the rule book that they have up right now has people listed in the rule book that haven't been involved with the USPMGA in multiple years. One of the guys is dead. I mean, it's so. depressing. Like, it, I mean, it's like, it, it's a simple thing that if you're expecting and wanting to grow the game and bring new people in, you need to have that up. But I don't know that they want that. No. Well, no. So here's, here's my personal take. So before I get into my, my mini rant here, I'm going to say this does not reflect my position at the WMF. It does not reflect the AMA. It probably reflects the podcast because we just talked about it and we're pretty much on the same page. But it absolutely is my personal opinion and the opinion of the putting penguin as an organization because I know Mandy damn well agrees with me on all of this. This is a flaming pile of horse crap. 
it's that time you alluded to everything, but as it is unwelcoming, it does not want to grow the membership. And frankly, it pisses me off because no one has done more for promoting USPMGA events than the putting penguin has the only streaming out there until we did it from the podcast this year, which was essentially half putting penguin anyways, because Mandy mm-hmm. was doing the has, has been from the putting penguin. We put out all the results you talked about. They haven't put out the results. You can't even find on their website, anything that Olivia won the masters. There's no picture. There's no article. I've written multiple articles for mini golf news and even more so like in my day to day. And I know Bob doesn't see this because he doesn't venture up North at all. But like whenever I talk about mini golf up until probably now, as much as I talked about the putting penguin, I always talked about professional miniature golf and the USPMGA and the masters Mm -hmm. and the open, because to to his credit, those are catchy things like playing 12 rounds competitively over three days at that level with those scores. Like my coworkers, dig that and thought it was the greatest thing. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I wear those masters hats, even though they have the same damn logo as the regular masters, I wear the shirts. I always promoted that. And to be pissy because we went out and actually spoke our mind and tried to be constructive. And Tom, you alluded to, I gave them a chance first. I wrote the emails to them first. I sent it to them. There was no way I was ever going to keep it private. And, but even last year, <laughs> as Tom's uh, like, I, the, Ita- the little bit of Italian in me is coming out as I'm hitting on the table. And Tom's like, God damn it, I got to edit this out later. But, um, you know, but this was not new. I mean, last year on the blogs I did for Mini Golf News, I talked about a lot of the similar things in terms of the, the issues. And it's not out of a place, like you said, that we're trying to take digs is... I think it is an event that could be an amazingly big showcase for mm-hmm. professional putting, especially because you've been doing it for 25 years. And as much as the name is derivative, it's going to get eyes on it. Mm-hmm. You and I have you know, similar feelings about how great, quote unquote, Myrtle Beach is. But to the general public, Myrtle Beach has a draw to it. People at least know it, you know, it's, it's more known than Canton, Connecticut, or, you know, some of the other places we have tournaments and things like that. And so it's done out of a place where I just want it to be better. And I've been in the USPMGA now since 2004, and I have not seen anything get better. In fact, I've seen it get worse. There are less tournaments now, less organization around the points, less promotion than there ever has been. And in the world where it's so easy to put stuff out, I mean, we do, you do, we do it, Aaron does it, just social media stuff a couple times a week without a ton of real effort. And like you said, you had you had results up, you know, hours after it was done. I mean, some of our stuff we've been putting, hell, I was putting results up from middle of nowhere Maine on Bang Golf <laughs> during that tournament. Yeah. It's not that hard. And so, yeah, I, I took this one a little bit personally, and, and honestly, it, it's if if anything, it's going to give me more reason to speak out about it. And I'm, and one of the reasons we're talking about now, one of the reasons I'm going to put it out there is because I want all the other members to know, like this could be them at any point in time. Like, yeah, you know, it's not like I'm getting reprimanded for drinking on the course or, or doing something that you know could be seen as more unprofessional i'm literally getting reprimanded because i spoke to authority or spoke about authority and somebody didn't like it and that's my opinion and it's funny because pat and i first met in person via holy moly and i knew about the competitive world of mini golf really only through pat and a few other people And up to that point, doing a couple of putts, my wife and I had been playing hundreds of courses and reviewing them and designing stuff, but I never really felt all that welcome. Pat and I hadn't met in person. We didn't really have the vibe of it, but the information was just really hard to come by. And I went in 2019 and I got the feel of it and hung out and played a bunch of courses, Myrtle Beach and enjoyed it and came back last year and well in 2021 and competed and got to know a bunch of the players and really enjoyed being around them. There are people like 
Fred Stewart, Brian Johnson. We have people like Joey Graybeal, the uh, Mongoose, Olivia, Wade Sommel. There's just Frank Bassesi, Brent Wernling. All these people are just, you're like, oh, okay. Like you're serious, but you're also enjoy the game and you have like a nuanced opinion about it. But I didn't really get to know the USPMGA from them. I got to know it through the players. And that's kind of the only thing that kept me there. And I I guess for me, it's so hard to get down to Myrtle Beach from where I'm at and to have such little information and to have better options out there. I'm just going to choose differently. I don't I don't know when I'm going to play a USPMGA event in the near future. Maybe I will. Maybe I won't. I don't know. I, I enjoyed the camaraderie and the courses as much as they frustrated me, you know, and they gave me troubles at the Masters. They're still really good for competitive mini golf. But I also, you know, hold the same feeling that I've held forever about Myrtle Beach from the first time going there is there's a lot of really solid to well above par courses there that should be part of a larger somehow movement to promote mini golf in a city with that many courses. But instead you have three courses that have similar feel theme wise and that are kind of removed from where the tourist community is. And as many people say, you go around during the masters and you play other courses and people be like, why are you playing with these silver balls and doing all this other stuff? Cause we have to play Chromaxes in the masters. They have no idea it's going on. Like that's a huge disconnect. It's a massive disconnect and it's a miss. And this isn't a new organization. This is, they just celebrated, what is it? 25, 26 years now that they're on to. 1997 so this would be the 26 27th year yeah it i don't know it's i i hope it gets better i hope that maybe adding in some of these other things with the world putting league will do it i I, i'm really hoping to see a streaming event because it'll be fun to watch i personally want to see that but gambling i don't think it's the answer that it right now it is just the wild west if you go out there and you read any information Gambling has been lobbied to be wide open and you have new people entering in the terrain. I have no idea what the pro league network is looking to do and where the revenue is coming from in this. But right now we have an event in less than five or six days away. It's not in any of the books and we don't even know who's playing in it publicly. Are they just like going to get random people via their social media channels that don't have a lot of following to know about this. Cause the fact of the matter is match has been happening for 25 years. And you hear some of the top players say, including our guests that they'll Olivia, that they'll go around and people are like, Oh, that's not a thing. Is it? It's like, how is that not well known? How is she not somewhere more in the sphere? She's won four masters. She's in her twenties. She's one of the best in the game of mini golf. And in her own country, there's like almost nothing out there around the major tournaments as she's winning. It's it's a miss. And, and it's it's too bad because it's really the biggest losses for the players. And I think that's overlooked how much that this is an opportunity to really highlight them. And it just doesn't happen as much as it should. No, and it's it's set up right now this year. Both major events are in Myrtle Beach. Your, well, and three, if you're going to count the World Putting League. I mean, it's it just creates... And the even South if, Carolina Open. Right. Well, yeah. And so, so you got four events all on in the same courses. I mean, even if you like Myrtle Beach, you're not going to want to travel there all the time to do something. There's just no variety to it. There's no expansion. And it's just, yeah, there's so many misses. I mean, even this week, SportsCenter, like, retweeted a TikTok from European Championship Mini Golf because, you know, it's kind of mm-hmm. interesting to watch them play. But, like, you had a connection with Holy Moly, which was on ABC, which is owned by the same company that owns ESPN, and you couldn't find a way to get any sort of even remote social media coverage on anything that you're doing. It's just... 
I don't know. I mean, some of the stuff is just, it's, it, it is a bummer and it is a bummer because we're not growing the game. And honestly, when you and I are in the lower quartile of age people, maybe even less than that, and maybe we may be in the top, you know, the lowest 5% with the way it is, you are simply just going to age out the game. There's, nobody coming behind us who's new and who has stuck around for a while once you throw out like olivia and wade but they're now so established in the game like there's just no new blood so if this is the way you're going to go about it the organization is going to be gone in 20 years anyway so yeah i don't know yeah and it's yeah it's just unfortunate and i hope some of the things that they're doing this year will improve it, but clearly this letter is not a step in the right direction where, to me, the reason why I even considered going to the Masters was you, and they're writing you to say, you're doing it wrong. It's like, I, where 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 do you come off saying that? Like, that this doesn't make sense to Well, me. and here's the thing. Like, again, if you're an organization and you have well-defined rules and I stepped outside the bounds of those rules and you can explain it to me. Like I am a, like I will take responsibility for that. That doesn't mean I won't stop pushing those rules if I think they're dumb rules, but you've made it impossible for me to do it. And right. I mean, there's, I don't know. I, I assume there's a very good chance that I'm not going to be able to play in the masters. I'm still going to Myrtle beach cause I'm having a vacation and boy, howdy, if you think I talked bad about things when I was a member, if this is the way we're going to go, we will see how that ends up going, but but it's, but you see with the BMGA, the British players, the Fifty Four Problems podcast guys, they share their opinion about things that they don't like. They are really annoyed over in the UK that the BMGA is only sending over eight people for Wagam. There's no women that are on that team, and there's no justifiable reason not to send a full slate of people when there are people that want to play and go out of pocket versus in the United States where we can't get enough people to go over because it's just financially prohibitive. I mean, and that whole U.S. Wagam team is listed on ProMiniGolf.com, but I don't know that that will be the list. And I don't even know if those players knew that that was going up because it's based on the Continental Championship. But it's it's that it's those things where we are in the WMF and for Wagam, the largest country by far. We should be sending the most players and we should somehow have a better infrastructure than that. I mean, the good thing is, you know, again, not to toot our own horn, there's new things cropping up. Locally, we have Puttcraft that's doing events. We're trying to do what we can with the AMA. We see little organizations popping up here and there doing things. We have Travis who's in, you know, Kansas who's trying to put on things. We have people down at the Show Me Putters that are putting on events all year round that are not AMA events. You have O Street that's running their own league. You have the main mini golf folks that have been running stuff. You have all of these things on top of the PPA and Pop Stroke as it is. They're all, you know, th- this is all part of a good ecosystem. But, you know, if 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 the USPMJ wants to really tout it as the greatest thing, other than their purses, which have now already been eclipsed by Pop Stroke this year, I'm I'm not really sure what they're leaning into and where it's going when the number one thing that they've decided to, you know, put their attention on is gambling and reprimanding people that don't fall in line yeah how about instead of sending me a letter you actually put i don't know the history of team usa on the pro mini golf website so people know who've competed for the teams over the years and folks like vanette who've won medals for the team over the years get some sort of celebratory nod out there which i mean again i think would go towards some of the gambling stuff too, you know, the more content you have out there, the more you can show who these players are, what their achievements are is going to help in that space. But yeah, like you said, instead I get an unsigned letter about bad mouthing the organization. That's where the effort and the the $5 is going towards. 
And you know, I didn't even notice this, but there has literally been nothing posted last year on the the USPMGA website about Team USA. No, for any like there, there was no recognition than... at the Masters, and it's you know I know some of the players have said something about it, but that's that's pretty bad. I mean, it's already a team that's self funding itself that literally get no money. I mean, it's possible. That maybe they donated something on the side, but as far as I know, you and I have contributed more to Team USA out of our personal donations to help support their efforts than the USBMGA. That's that's messed up. Yeah, it's I mean, and that's the type of stuff where I think we have been. Well, I know I have been. I guess a little bit more. I don't know if political is the right word, but like I have tried to make those types of comments in the most constructive way possible, right? Like I, I don't want to go out there on social media and, you know, to use the term bad mouth, right? Like I don't want to be negative about these things because I think it's some of these things are easy to fix and don't need to be aired out. But it's just it, if that's the only way things are going to change, then that's the way we're going to have to to do it and push it. And, you know, I don't, I want it to be a better experience for all the players and especially the players who do extremely well and should get the recognition that they deserve. Um, whether it's winning major tournaments, playing for team USA, getting medals, what, whatever the case is, those players work far too hard to be buried somewhere in a website or worse, never even talked about. Amen. Yeah. I don't know. I mean, if if they're going to ban players, I'm just not going to waste my efforts to go to Myrtle Beach playing those tournaments. You know, we can talk about the players on, you know, the 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 podcast, but there's going to be other events. As Pop Stroke has shown, there's other people out there that have courses that are great for tournaments, and you'll find the results right away. It's just because you've been around forever and doing it doesn't mean that, you know, it's going to be there forever. I'd be great if it is, but other people are trying to do things and we're going to pay attention to that too. But yeah, to be continued, I think, is going to be the the period on this because I think between the two of us, we could go on for a while and we just don't like want to waste time just beating up on the USPMGA because both of us have had a lot of fun at those events, especially with the other players. And it's too bad that that's just being spoiled by this kind of stuff. Let's, uh, let's talk about something positive, which is one of our AMA and podcast sponsors, Walkabout Mini Golf. It's a VR game that is so much fun. I was playing in a match play league just before jumping on with Pat, did not fare so well, but I had a blast. I played with someone, you know, random, and they were offering tips. I was offering them tips on our home courses in this league, and it's all kind of part of the big community that's around Walkabout. They've all these sprawling communities on Discord, and the headset that you can get, you know, you can use the Oculus, you can use a variety of them, you now have a ton of courses to play. There's actually more courses, I think, on Oculus than there might be currently active in Myrtle Beach. There's 32 of them, more coming every month. And there's some hints that the next few are going to be pretty wild. So uh, stay tuned. We love them. We are proud to have them as a sponsor and supporting what we're doing to help grow the game of mini golf, make it inclusive and welcoming. And so thank you to walkabout, check it out. If you don't have an Oculus, there's a lot of ways to give it a whirl. And if you want to see some uh, hot shots, check out the putting penguin on social media. Pat's <laughs> been posting some a shots that if they don't give you a tease of how much fun it can be, I don't know what to tell you, but when you're really dialed into those headsets to blast. So, Thanks, Walkabout, for the support of the AMA, and uh, glad to have you on board again in 2023. So we're going to wrap up with Big Thoughts Mini Golf, and I feel like I probably used most of my big thoughts a little bit earlier in this episode, so I'll just kind of wrap it all up with this. 
The best organizations out there operate with a focus on the needs of their constituents and not the needs and wants of the few people in power. So if you're part of any organization, whether it's mini golf, charity, anything that you're involved in, make sure you're always taking a step back every now and then and just asking yourself, am I doing what's right by my members? And if you don't know, ask them. They're going to be very appreciative that they're involved and that you're thinking about them. And at the end of the day, your organization is going to be better off for it. And with that, we're at the 19th hole. So until next time, putt one ready.